All right, good morning and welcome to Chanel. This is the second time you see me up here, but I, I do want to extend another welcome. If you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. Uh, now, a few weeks ago, um, I was in the lobby before a sermon. And if you kind of don't know my rhythm and you see me kind of floating around here, I like to stand in the back a lot. I like to kind of just absorb worship that way. Um, I like to be in the back kind of when people are still coming in so I can shake a hand and greet somebody. And then depending on the behavior of my children depends on whether or not I get to sit down or not. So this week, Miss Martha and I got to clean up my son's water mess in the back for a little bit. A little teamwork there. But uh, it just kind of depends on where they are, what they're doing that Sunday. I'm, I'm either sitting down or I'm, I'm back in the lobby. And on this particular Sunday, I was in the back lobby on one of the buffets going over my notes. And I normally do that every Sunday, kind of a ride around communion. I'll go in the back. I'll have my iPad up, and I'll look at my notes just one last glance. I'm not changing anything. I just kind of want to revisit it one last time. And so on this particular Sunday, I'm standing there. I'm looking at my iPad like this, and, and John Crabtree is to my right. And, and I'm looking at my notes, and I hear John start talking about when he started drinking coffee as a kid. And I remember thinking, like, this isn't at all about the sermon. I don't really, I didn't know where this was going. And, and so John says, you know, when I, I can't really remember when I started drinking coffee. And I can remember looking at him and being like, I, I don't know, like, where are we going with this? And, and he said, you know, I, now how old is Judah? And I said, he's, he's seven, John. Like, what, what is this about? And he goes, and he's already drinking coffee? And I said, no, he's not. And, and John lifts his hand up and he points, and, and I, I turn my head to the other side, and I see that my son is filling up a, a cup of black coffee, no sugar, no cream, and, and I, I, I couldn't even react enough to stop him. And I, I, John and I both stand there, and we're looking at my son, and he's just shooting the coffee back, kind of like he's at an old saloon, is what it kind of looked like. And I look, and I just say, Judah. And he said, what? I like it. <laughs> and, and, and I remember thinking, like, son, you, you don't need any hair on your chest right now. What are you doing? And it was this, this weird, hilarious moment. And it, it was, I'm glad that John called our attention to it, because we would have been wondering, like, what has happened to our kid this afternoon uh, when he just wouldn't calm down a little bit. But I, I tell that story because it takes a village. As parents... We can't do this on our own. Uh, we need people in our lives that are willing to point out when our kids are streamlining black coffee on a Sunday morning and kind of let us know, hey, your kid is going to be a nightmare later on if we don't stop it. And, and I could go through countless stories like that throughout our children's lives where people have stepped in and said, hey, let me help you or let me tell you what's going on. Uh, Isla's favorite Sunday school teacher is Christy Banks. She loves Christy Banks. They are best friends. And last Sunday, Isla left Children's Church without telling Christy Banks she was leaving. And I remember Christy Banks, I got a talking to, as well as Isla, about leaving without adults knowing where you were. And I have story after story after story of things like that that's happened to us since our time at Chanel. See, when we moved here in 2015, it was the year that Kentucky went 38-1, and won. but in 2015, when we moved here, it's just how I remember things, but when we moved here, uh, I remember we didn't have a community. We knew a few people. 
I knew people in kind of the Little Rock area. I knew people in Searcy, but we didn't really know anybody. And I think at that point at Chennault, the only people that we really knew were the Clay and Erica Williams, and they had just moved to Little Rock not to, you know, they, Clay did his residency in Madisonville. We didn't know a lot of people here, and we didn't have a community. We didn't have a village yet. But over time, during our, during our period of Chennault, it's, it's turned into a family. It's turned into a village. And those moments, those opportunities where people have leaned into our lives has helped us so much. From, from navigating work with a newborn and just having those opportunities where somebody says, hey, can we watch your kid tonight? And learning to say yes versus like, no, we don't want to bother you. Trust me, the, the yeses get easier as the kids get older. But this morning, as we, we think about baby dedication, I think it's important to look at the teachings of Jesus. Because Jesus talks a little bit about children. Through the time of Jesus, children were not held in a place of prominence as they are now. Like sweet baby Isla, this gifted angel that we have in our life. That's not how people viewed children in the time of Jesus. And so there are moments in Jesus' ministry where people ask Jesus about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus gives them a response that in, in their context doesn't make a lot of sense. Because Jesus turns the attention to somebody who is often overlooked in this society. In Matthew chapter 18, at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now think about this for a second. Children are not held to this level of prominence by any means in the context of Jesus. They are often overlooked, uh, uncared for, uh, disregarded at times as well. And so when they ask this question, what they are really trying to get to is, which one of us is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We've done the work. We've put in the time. Give it to us, Jesus. Like, it's like, we know it's not Judas, but which one of us besides him are going to be one of the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Because he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. Now, even the, the presence of a child in this context is uncommon. And so you have to kind of imagine what Jesus would have done to get that child to be there. How does Jesus know that there's a child there? How does he draw attention to the child? Likely the child is, is on the outside. I like to kind of envision that he's looking through the crowd. He can see a little head kind of peeking through adults that are trying to figure out who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so in this moment, he calls a little child to him and places the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. It's kind of our first entrance of how Jesus views children. And I've often wondered, why does Jesus do this? Why, why does he place this level of prominence on children? Again, it's context. It's important because children are overlooked. They're not cared for. They're not tended to in this society. And what Jesus is saying is that if you're going to be a follower of me, those, the lowest among you must be first. You must place a level of prominence and importance on individuals who can't care for themselves, who need help, who need encouragement, who need assistance. And so Jesus is saying, instead of thinking about where your place is, think about the place of others. Because they start this question with this a desire to be first. And so Jesus is saying, the people that you should be paying attention to and the people that you should be giving focus to are children. But he, he doesn't stop there because Jesus also talks about this in, in the next chapter, Matthew chapter 19. 
So then people brought little children for Jesus for him, <clears throat> for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. See how quickly this momentum builds of like, whoa, Jesus is pro-children. He is all in on kids already. And in a, a, the next chapter, what's happening is people are recognizing that Jesus is giving hope to these children. He's giving them a, a place of value and of prominence in the society that overlook them. And so in the very next chapter, people start bringing children to Jesus. He says to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. They would have failed youth ministry 101. But if you think about it, remember kind of where their mind goes. They go back into this mentality that we saw in chapter 18 about they're going to be first. Children are not going to be first. Children are not going to be placed at this place of prominence, of importance. And so their reaction, though we view it as, as kind of rude and, and gross for those of us who love children, but it makes sense in their context. Where they would have said, Jesus, you, you don't have to worry about these kids. These kids are just in the way. They're bothering you, man. Their snotty noses are everywhere. Like, you don't want to deal with these kids. And they rebuke these kids for coming to them. And they also rebuke the parents, too. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. I've thought a lot about these two passages as I was preparing for baby dedication. Because I wonder why Jesus does this. Why does Jesus call our attention to these children in these moments of chaos? In these moments of dysfunction? In these moments of disagreement? Jesus draws our attention to the least of these. And I think... It, if I, if I had to really give you an answer as to why Jesus' interest is here on children, it's because I think Jesus reminds us that children, they get it. Children are just here for fun and inclusion. They want to make sure that everybody is welcome. They want to make sure that everybody knows that they are the greatest person on the world. Parents here, when your kids tell you that you're the best dad in the world, like, don't you believe it? It is the, the most encouraging thing in the world. I've seen Bluey. I know how great that dad is on that show. It's a cartoon show. You should watch it. <clears throat> that dad is awesome. He's a dog as well. But the larger point is this. is I know that there are probably better dads out there. But like when Judah and Isla tell me that, like I believe it. And I reset. And I know that in this moment that yes, children are important. But I also think that the reason why Jesus draws our attention to children is because of how fast kids grow up. I think there's a reason why Jesus gives us this, this glimpse of the importance of children is as a reminder to slow down. Last week I was talking to Parker and Casey, and I said, how's the, how's the baby doing? And Parker said, the baby's pretty chill. And in this moment, I thought, cherish this moment. <laughs> If, if your baby is chill, cherish that moment. How many of us in this room ever told someone else that our baby sleeps pretty good? Wasn't it the next night that that ended, right? The very next afternoon, you're like, why did I jinx it? I spoke this into existence. My baby doesn't sleep anymore. When I was talking to Parker and Casey, he said that my, our baby's pretty chill. And I started thinking about like when our babies were chill. When Judah and Isla were not drinking black coffee, and they were just calm and chill and relaxed. But it, it hit me just how fast those moments go. 
Like every parent in this room, regardless if you have seven-year-olds or 37-year-olds, you, you could sit there and say, I can remember when my kid was a baby. Those moments go by fast, and they feel like they were yesterday. And so I think that when Jesus calls our attention to focus on children, it's because of that. It's a reminder of the innocence of children and how they embody the kingdom of heaven and the way that they treat people and love people and include people. But also it's a reminder that things go fast. And that you try to grip onto them, but it's, it's moving beyond you. And so we have to live in the now. And so for the, the rest of the sermon, I have two sets of advice. The first, it's to parents. To the parents, I, I encourage you to live in the now. It is so easy to focus on what's next and to be consumed with planning our children's futures. I do this constantly. When Judah's doing basketball drills, I'm like, you're never going to make it to Division I if you don't do this drill. That's ridiculous. I mean, he's, he's not going to be tall. I know that. But it's so easy to look at what's next instead of what's now. And we, we get consumed with how do we gear our kids up for the best future possible, and I'm not telling you to ignore that. I think that's important. But what I'm encouraging you to do, as Jesus did, is to focus on what's right now in front of you. I shared a sermon not too long ago where all Judah wanted to do was play a video game with me, but I was too consumed with work. What I'm encouraging you to do over the next week is when those opportunities come to, to live in the now, push work aside for a little bit. Spend time with your kids. Live in them. I guarantee you that every parent would tell you that same thing. And second, my encouragement to parents is to say yes. You've heard me say this before, and I'll say it again, but accept the help when it's offered. One of the hardest things for us to do when we moved here was to pass that baby on to somebody who offered to hold it. It was hard. I love, I love both of our kids, but it was hard to give someone else that baby. But it took me forever to recognize that what somebody was saying was, hey, you need a five-minute break. Let me hold that baby for just a little bit. And when they got older, it was that, that coveted evening babysitting of figuring out somebody that was offering to watch our kids or finding the right babysitter that our kids connected with, but saying yes to those moments. But more importantly, the thing that I value the most is unsolicited advice. I promise you, you will never get the same amount of advice from a book or from a, a YouTube channel or TV show. It will never equate unsolicited parenting advice. You all are some of the best people that speak into moments. It's normally when my kid's doing something awful. And then you guys will be like, hey, let me tell you about when my kid did this thing. I love those. I love that we have that relationship that we do that here. But I promise you, parents, when people are giving you those unsolicited nuggets of advice, they are more valuable than anything that you can read or watch. Because they're coming from people who care about you, and they're coming from people who have lived these experiences. And so say yes to those moments. And to the church, let us mirror the image of Christ. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes this in regards to reflecting the image of Jesus. Paul writes, therefore, if any of you, if you have any if you have, if therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Paul gives this example of what it looks like to mirror the actions of Christ. And if we are going to be a church that wants to treat people with the respect and the, the, the common decency and the care that Jesus mentions, then we must follow and mirror this example. So that is our, our first kind of level of advice, is to be a church that reflects what we see in Philippians chapter 2. And if we are going to be a church that asks parents to say yes, then we must be willing to assist them on their journey. And so when God puts something on your hearts to share, when you see those moments and you remember when your kid was doing something similar, speak into those. What we often do a lot in life is we say, I don't want to bother them with this. This is going to sound weird, advice of a sermon, but bother them. Let them know your story. Let them know what you learned in your parenting journey. But be willing to walk alongside them. In this, we echo the, the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 2 when Paul writes, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. When we walk along people in this way, this is what God is calling us to do. And it is another reflection of God in Christ. One of the easiest ways to connect and serve at this church is through our, our children's ministry and our nurseries ministry. Right now, if you were to go in the lobby, there's a sign-up sheet. March 5th is the next date that you can serve. It's a month away. You can commit to that. Probably forget about it, but we'll remind you. But my point is this. That is an easy way to serve and to care, carry each other's burdens. But that's not why we do this. The purpose of serving in these ministries isn't just to fulfill a spot, but it's to connect with a kid and a family. If you want to be involved in the lives of these families, one of the easiest ways to get to know them is through the nursery and through the children's ministry. Or another way, if that is not your vibe, then maybe just sit next to them. Connect with them. Grow with them. There are simple and easy ways to not just serve, but to get to know these young families as well. And finally, another call from Hebrews chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that open that openly profess his name, and do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. We don't do these things. We don't serve this way just because we have to. It's because we want to. We want to be a church that, that welcomes all ages, that honors our young families, that celebrates with our students, and that walks along everyone's life journey. So it's not out of obligation that we get to do these things, but it's because God has placed a desire and need on our hearts to do so. And when we do this, we offer our lives as living sacrifices to God. And it brings joy and excitement to a congregation that loves every single one that's here. I love baby dedication because it's a reminder of what we are called to do as a church. It's a reminder that we have young families that are celebrating newborns and families growing but it's also a call as a church to live and pour into their lives. To not just say that we're going to do those things, but to look for those opportunities of service. To look for those opportunities of caring and of encouragement. Encouragement is the easiest thing that we can do as a church. And so as we prepare to stand and sing in just a moment, let us be reflective of that. And let us think that God has called us to live in each other's lives. 
And although that looks different for each and every one of us, we are called to do those things. Let's stand and sing together.